Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. With no new SNL for the remainder of the apocalypse, we've decided to peek in on Heidi Gardner and Ego Wodum's Instagram Live QVC show, as well as review season 45's most recent Cut for Time sketches. I'm Catherine Coleman, and I'm joined this week by SNL podcast mainstays Steve Finn and John Murray. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy the following selected highlights from this week's discussion. And if you'd like to hear our full-length, ad-free, sketch-by-sketch review, it's available exclusively for our patrons at patreon.com slash snlpodcast. It's our patrons who make the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash snlpodcast. All right, here we go. So, uh, our big news so far in 2020 uh, is the pandemic <laughs> and the fact that SNL has canceled all of their April episodes. They've set no return date for the rest of SNL 45. Uh-huh. And that's at the top of all of the news cycles. It's all anyone's talking about is when will SNL be back? That's all we really care about in this crisis. That's yeah, right. Ventilators be damned. I, I need to get to the bottom <laughs> of SNL schedule. Yeah, when we left off with Daniel Craig, um, it was a simpler time, wasn't it? Like, it was. Life was good. And uh, yeah, since then, um, apparently Western civilization has broken down and we all have to stay home until they are able to, uh, I don't know, uh, fend off the zombies. Yeah. Yeah. So much of that material on, on coronavirus felt like exaggerations at the time. And <laughs> yeah. now we're just living it. Yeah, yeah, and there's one cut for time sketch that we're going to touch on later that uh, seems uh, particularly <laughs> prescient at this point. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, crazy world we're living in. It kind of it kind of makes you long for 2016, but nonetheless, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. So, uh, what are we going to talk about tonight, Catherine? Yeah. Well, I I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on what you think the rest of the season might look like if there will be a rest of the season. Any ideas for how we can stay engaged, how we want SNL to keep us engaged, as well as thoughts on, you know, we we thought we might have some cast members leaving at the end of the season, you know, mm. some really precious, beloved people. And do we think they might still go? Might they stay another half season if they don't get a send off? There's there's so much up in the air. It just feels like there's a lot to talk about with all that. Yeah. So I. I guess we could kind of just do our like postseason extravaganza a little <laughs> early here. It's yet to be seen whether we're going to get any yeah. more SNL. I'm not holding my breath personally, because no. even if we flatten the curve and all that, that doesn't mean that you want to put 500 people back into a production in a, in a small cement box and right. hope that they don't, uh, you know, uh, end up infecting each other. So I, I don't know how it's all going to play out, but I think we might be done with new SNL for the season. And if that's the case, well, that's, that's a real shame. Cause like you said, there's a lot of people that we would love to have proper goodbyes for. Maybe, you know, they're still contracted for the last six episodes and we'll see them uh, maybe leading up to Christmas next season and, and there'll be finales uh, leading up to the winter break. There's yeah. no way to know, you know, the world's crazy. Uh, I, I couldn't even begin to speculate, but for now, yeah, uh, we, we got no news to work with. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause we might be learning just how that fine print goes in those <laughs> yeah. contracts. Sure. You know, is it by the season, by the episode count? I don't know. Uh, if this is the final season for some of these cast members, I don't know if, if it's enough for them to come back just so they can be spun around by Mick Jagger one last time. <laughs> so yeah, this may be the last we see of, you know, Cecily on the show, for example, maybe Kate, who knows, but I'm hoping we at least get some kind of 
closure to the season, maybe in the first episode of next, if that's how it pans out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we go too deep on a postmortem, uh, let's, <laughs> well, let's give the spring a chance to, to kind of tell us how things are going to play out. But yeah, there's just, there's just nothing we can really latch onto at this point to, to really know, uh, how the season's going to play out. I know there's a lot of standby regulars that are going through withdrawals right now <laughs> because for the, the first time in a long time, uh, they, they got their hopes up for a show and it, it didn't pan out. And yeah, that's kind of how I was feeling Saturday night as well. Um, so yeah, we, we feel, yeah, we hope, uh, everyone sticks with the podcast at least cause we're going to be generating some content to tide us all over. You know, we've got all the time in the world to burn right now. So, uh, great time to tune into a podcast. So this is probably as good a time as any to do a quick PSA, uh, just to let our audience know what our plan is, since we don't have any new SNL to cover. Obviously, we've got a few vestiges of season 45 we're going to clean up tonight. But for the remainder of the season, we're going to do some like SNL tangential stuff, like maybe look at some SNL movies, look at what some notable alum have done in their careers after SNL and you know, maybe touch on a few classic comedies or uh, just explore other SNL topics than just reviewing the new episodes. And in line with that, I've reached out on Patreon to get our patrons to weigh in on exactly what they would love for us to cover. And I've gotten some good feedback. So I'm going to start putting together polls. I'm going to run them on Twitter and, um, and on Patreon and just start figuring out what people would actually enjoy hearing. And if anyone wants to suggest any topics, that we could cover by all means, hit us up on social media, let us know. And if anyone wants to vote, uh, that will be open on Twitter as well, but priority is going to be given to our patrons. So they they get the final Trump card on what drops. So if, uh, if you're really passionate about wanting to hear us cover something by all means, uh, find us on Patreon. That's, that's where your voice will be heard. And with that, I'll throw back to Catherine. All right. Well, you said we had no news, but I, I mean, I feel like that was all news. Yeah, so. yeah that's pretty, pretty meaty. What, yeah. are, what are we going to do next? <laughs> all right. Well, we've got, we've got a few things to cover. Uh, first, we're going to talk about uh, Heidi and Ego's Instagram Live QVC sketch. They had mm-hmm. some fun characters, Justine and Tawny, selling us some stuff from around their house to make ends meet during the pandemic. And we wanted to, we have a couple quick shout-outs here. We want to thank Jill from the SNL Standby Line podcast. She was able to get us a copy of that live video for us to review a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we wanted to let you know that the SNL standby line podcast exists and they have a boots on the ground report. Uh, it's two line regulars. They go pretty much every dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. They really dig deep on extra material that is cut from dress rehearsals. And they also provide comprehensive guidance on what the standby line was like and how to get in for first time people. Or and they also have a great Twitter feed that I've used a lot. They keep an update when they're there of how many people are in line. So you're able to check it throughout Friday night and kind of see when you want to go. They're definitely worth a listen. So find them in your podcast app by searching SNL standby line or going to SNL standby line.com. We also wanted to thank Heidi because she was generous enough to answer some of our questions about this. We reached out with some things we were wondering about and she was very nice and very friendly as we know her to be, and she answered a lot of our questions. And that was really nice of her. And if you're not already following Heidi and Ego on Instagram, you can find them at Heidi L. Gardner and at Eggie Boom, respectively. So, Steve, what did you think of this improvised QVC show? I got to say, I had such a great time watching this. It did not feel like an hour. This just no. blew by because I was having so much fun. So it was a little bit, uh, maybe a bit of a stumble out the gate. But once they got their uh, footing and figured out how this comedic timing was going to work with the delay, uh, doing a live feed between the two of them, 
they made this work spectacularly. Mm-hmm. And the Collins were just a perfect amount of pepper on the meal. Yes. So everything was working. I loved that it was very much obviously thrown together from what <laughs> they were isolated with. I mean, we're not going out. We're not picking up props from the prop store. This is this is all found art, and it just works so well. This is a used bikini. Yeah. I mean, these guys can just draw comedy from anything. So I think it really showed us we have a lot more resources, and we can have a lot of fun within the comfort of our own home without endangering ourselves by going out there for our entertainment. So this was really fun. Yeah, I thought this was a super creative way to engage with the fans. We we asked Heidi kind of how she came up with the idea. She told us that she woke up one morning kind of dreaming about it and texted Ego. Ego was down. They pitched it to the social media director at SNL and it took off from there. And I think that's just so smart to not they obviously have the improv backgrounds to know how to make these characters and do fun little things, but to also have that sort of social media mind of like this could work on Instagram live. People will tune into this. It's kind of like another layer that I think we'll see more of now that we're getting sort of younger generations of cast members coming up. You know, uh, Kate McKinnon, as much as I love her, isn't, isn't going to do an Instagram live for us, <laughs> you know, whereas Heidi, who actually is the same age, but I guess just a little bit more technologically advanced um, is more involved in stuff like that. And I thought that was a really fun, smart way to do this and say, we have this to offer and they, and they gave it to us, John. Yeah, well, I mean, these are performers. A little part of them dies if they don't perform <laughs> on a regular basis, I assume. Uh, so it's nice that we all have phones and solid internet connections where we can do that. I mean, we couldn't produce this podcast without, right. uh, you know, web video and, and streaming and all that. And it's just nice that these tools are available so that in a pinch, when, you know, you're on a, you're on a hit show, you love performing. You have this grueling schedule every week and, and you're just kind of like in that mode of developing material, producing sketches and just performing and getting your stuff out there. It can kind of hurt to go into lockdown and not have a creative outlet and we've all got time to burn. So why wouldn't the players be trying to throw this kind of stuff together to keep the fans engaged and to just, yeah, give everyone something to do and something to be amused by and a fun distraction. So right out of the gate, it's a win just because this is the kind of stuff that you know, we want in a pitch right. for that. It was a win. Mm-hmm. What I, what I really enjoyed about it was feeling like I was watching basically uh, a, from the ground up, like first run at an improv yeah. where it, it's just kind of a free for all. Here's your character go and have a few seasoned improvisers play off each other, bounce back and forth in, in that scenario and see where they land, where there's no expectation. Mm-hmm. We don't care if this is just chock full of top quality jokes you're exploring right now. You, right, and yeah. then that's something that once you've gone through that and you start to feel your way around the character, then you can go back and you can begin workshopping it and you can fine tune it and you can find a premise to underpin it and you can turn it into something that could be put into a second city review or could be put on SNL. So it's right. kind of fun to see something in its infant stages. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, there's a fun beat. That's something that you could parlay into something greater and oh that was a nice little character moment oh that could be a really satisfying turn and a sketch later so i'm watching and picking out all the kernels of things that they could use to develop more so one of the the things that we asked heidi was like you guys going to do any more of this you're going to bring it to the show when they come back like what do you what do you want this to actually be and she said yeah 
I love working with Ego. I want to do as much of this as we possibly can and be great to parlay it into something on the show, which I think is obvious. You know, anytime you find a character that's fun and uh, I think is a product of the time, right? Two, two QVC ladies getting um, progressively more desperate <laughs> as, <laughs> as the world ends around them. There's some comedy there. So yeah. to see them exploring that and having fun and bringing in their, their other friends from the show, this is fun. This is, yeah. this is definitely something I can get behind. I would definitely go to like a UCB live version of this where, mm. you know, people have to give them weird objects for them to try to sell and discuss. I think these characters were great. And I really love that they knew also that we would want to hear from everybody. Right. You know, we all feel like a little family. Uh, we, you know, we're on the outside, but it's nice to know that they're friends and we're like, oh, but what are, what are your other friends doing? So we got to hear from Bowen, Chloe, Melissa, and Chris here. And I think that was great. Um, I wanted to kind of talk about since it was an hour long, I think we can really dive in on this since we're talking sure. about what were your what were some of your favorite moments? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was definitely long form. Mm -hmm. And it did remind me of some of the content that's been put out by uh Tim Heidecker and Greg Turkington, the guys behind On Cinema at the Cinema. Okay. Now, for anyone who's a fan, they have their seasons where they review the the movies and whatnot. And it's really just like an in-depth character study over a long period of time. And it reminded me a lot like of this because, you know, it's not about every specific beat landing or, or really tight editing. It's just absorbing what these characters can offer over a period of time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not just speculating that this is possibly uh, <laughs> an inspiration because, you know, we did ask Heidi where, where the Hobbit hat came from. and she got it on eBay for her husband, apparently, because they are fans of On Cinema. And anyone who watches that show knows that Greg often wears uh, movie-themed hats. So that was the reason that they even had that in the house. So, yeah, the uh, the inspiration was very apparent. And, you know, I was pretty surprised because I was already thinking that, you know, this was reminiscent of that. So mm -hmm. hearing, hearing that uh, Heidi actually is a fan and watches it, and that's the reason why she had the Hobbit hat. You know, it's all coming together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I'm i not familiar with that show, but I asked about the Hobbit hat because that was my favorite item and section of this thing. I thought the whole <laughs> Hobbit hat part was brilliant from just when she pulled it out because it was just a funny hat. And then when Ego had her start rapping and she did a who got the hooch, I was I was just cracking up. And then Melissa called in and just piled on. She, and I loved when she asked about the autograph. And then Heidi started to say it was the dragon's autograph, but then she was like, actually, it's not an autograph. It's a dragon. It's just and, a dragon. Yeah, it's just a dragon. I just thought that whole section was had a lot of really great beats to it and a lot of really good jokes about the hat and how piano she looked break. at it. Yeah, pian this is a piano break in my hip-hop song. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my favorite section. John, what did you think about uh, different items and everything? I think it really started to take off right around the point where Melissa called in. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's when they loosened up. They understood kind of like what Steve was saying, how to bounce off each other, especially with the whole Instagram live format where you kind of have to be stationary and in frame. And so you got kind of that, that you got to think about in the back of your head. There's a bit of a delay there. So it's really hard to be sharp and quippy, you know, and really like, play off someone's uh, like, you know, if they, if they say something silly, you got to kind of get in there and dig on that before they've moved on to something else. And that's hard to do when there's a bit of a delay in, in place. So yeah. I was noticing that they, they really seem to be getting their rhythm right around the time when Melissa called in. And that's when Heidi was like, okay, I'm, I'm 
I'm cool enough with this that, yeah, I can screw around the background and just be a ham and give, you know, the, the watcher something more fun to dial in on while, um, Ego's having this back and forth. It's fun that they got really catty with Melissa. Mm-hmm. Like they wouldn't let her land a joke. You know, everything she said was wrong for some reason. And yet, you know, she's still willing to pay 500 for this hat. <laughs> you know, there, there were some clever stuff there. I thought that they were going to like shut it down and not accept the 500 just because they felt insulted. I thought maybe they were going to like build, build to something there, but because this is so off the cuff and it's a total improv and they're not really leading towards any, anything like it's not really a structured game or anything where they've confabbed and decided where the outcome's going to go. So because it was truly raw, you know, they, they couldn't find that moment, but still just uh, seeing their, their, their characters come to life and not be willing to tolerate this person, but then kind of being won over at the end. Uh, all of that was fun. Chris red, I think was the uh, appropriate climax for yes. this because he's a very solid improviser in his own right. And he played off them. Well, like when they, when they discovered the the whole neck thing, right. And and he's willing, oh, no dick. yeah, he's willing to try and feign ignorance. Like, no, no, this is, I'm not, I'm not that guy you dated. Like I, I have a neck, I have a neck and they're willing to, uh, you know, develop that aspect of his mm-hmm. character there in real time. That's always fun to watch. Yeah. And as someone that really in, enjoys watching, um, improv of all levels, you know, <laughs> not necessarily even good improv, just enjoying watching people try to find those moments and those connections and figure out how to perform without anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, that is always to me intriguing and enjoyable to watch. And so it was nice to see some people that have some chops be able to find a few fun moments in all of this. Yeah. Chris was definitely a good climax and he and Ego have such good chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've absolutely. seen them. They have an improv show they do at UCB every so often and it's I've been I saw it once and it was just great. They have they work so well together. They're just so they have a connection and mm-hmm. they just flow really well. And so I was really happy that he called in and I was glad that they were able because uh, at the beginning it seemed like there were some kinks with Ego having trouble hearing the callers. So yeah. I was glad that when Chris got there they had figured that out so that those two could really riff on each other. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, by the time they got around to Melissa and Chris, you know, they really started to develop a fight with these characters. Mm-hmm. Yes. They started yeah. throwing an insane amount of attitude, uh, <laughs> especially to Melissa, for, mm-hmm. uh, for daring to joke about being Heather Locklear. <laughs> and you could just tell that they were not expecting for Melissa to throw it right back. And that was one of my favorite moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly. You know, Heidi had a lot of trouble keeping it together uh, when, when Melissa decided to call her a bitch. Right. And uh, yeah, that was really, you know, when the energy came to a peak. And mm-hmm. that's when I was really on board. That's when I started to think, okay, this is truly brilliant. I want to see this mm-hmm. done a few more times while we're all locked away. Yeah, yep. that's when they started scoring the laughs. I agree. I, I was always gauging kind of how I was feeling. Like, am I sitting back, arms crossed, or am I getting giggly and, and like really focusing in on it? And that's when it really kind of won me over too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So overall, great stuff here. I really enjoyed it. I hope they keep doing some of these SNL at homes during the break. I know Kyle's done, he's been on social media a little more. I know Chloe's done a uh, sort of a couple things that were not quite official with, you know, the SNL Instagram, but I hope that they keep sort of taking these pitches and letting them do stuff like this. I think that's a great idea and it's a great way to keep us engaged. Absolutely. You grew on me, bitch. Yeah. You grew <laughs> on me, bitch. Before we get off this though, yeah. I think it would be worth just giving some cliff notes from what Heidi uh, told us, like the sure. insights that we have. Cause I think our audience would kind of like to know a bit more about how everyone was approaching this. So mm-hmm. just so that people know the, the basic game here that they're playing is ego and Heidi have no idea 
what each of the callers are going to be when they call in. They haven't discussed their character. They don't know where any of that's going. They left it to each of the players that were calling in to develop their own character and, and do whatever they wanted with it. So we, we are truly an improv territory here. Mm-hmm. And the, the way that they kind of structured things was all they did was tell the other players, when we introduce this product, that's your cue to, to call in. And that's when we'll, you know, we'll, we'll bring you up that way. Everybody kind of wasn't trampling each other. They weren't getting a bunch of random calls from their friends at the show. And it, mm-hmm. it kind of turns it into a free for all the way they were able to kind of keep a nice pace with things, uh, was just to give them a cue. And that's, that's all anyone had to work with. So Heidi and Ego were getting these characters calling in blind and the characters themselves had no idea, you know, how this was going to roll. So you got to admire the bravery and, and how much amusement uh, everyone was able to create in, in a scenario where it, it's very easy for these things to fall flat and just a little bit of silence to kind of suck the energy out of it. And uh, they did pretty well at keeping that ball in the air. So that, that was one amusing thing. Was there anything else in, um, in Heidi's insights that you guys thought was particularly interesting? Uh, I think we should talk about her advice during the quarantine. I okay. That was a really cute thing she sent us. So, I think we should actually like just read that in, yeah. in her words yeah. as much as possible. Cause I, if, if nothing else, sure. it, it illuminates a lot about kind of how Heidi sees the world and it, it just, you know, it's adorable. So does anybody have a Heidi impression they want to oh. <laughs> No, that's yeah, no, we, we can't go there. That, that would be a train wreck. <laughs> okay. So I asked if you have any other fun insights or anything you'd like to convey to our audience or rabid SNL comedy nerds during this bizarre shared experience of self quarantine, we're all ears. And so she, uh, she said, Hmm, quarantine got tips, make a box of brownies. They're delightful. Mm. Puzzles are the best killer of time and the most fun for the brain. True. My husband and I had a mini dance party last night. It was special and weird and fun. Get cats. They help. This is, this is uh, a woman after Steve's heart. (laughs) I'm early living with four cats. (laughs) (laughs) This week, I'm going to try not to get to the store. And I'm going to get real creative with the things in my pantry and I'm excited. Well, that's, you know, that's, that's finding the, the silver lining, making yeah. lemonade. I glued a bunch of plastic gemstones on a cardboard box. It was pretty and felt like Tetris. So arts and crafts guys. And, uh, the last thing she said was this week, I'm going to give up the feeling of, I have to be productive to have self-worth and just see where my mind takes me and what I do with my time. So hopefully some good things. Probably something productive. Probably. <laughs> I have a feeling, and we'll probably find out on Instagram, whatever whatever she's got cooking over there. Um, but I thought that that was delightful and positive mm-hmm. and uh, worth sharing with the audience. So thank you, Heidi. Thank you for taking the time to let us know kind of how this Instagram thing came about. And I hope we get to see more. Yeah, thank you, Heidi, for uh, doing this and also being nice enough to answer our questions. Seems yeah. like such a sweet girl. Yes, she really is. Oh, yeah. Before we we move off the Heidi stuff, when the quarantine started, Heidi took to Instagram and she started a little campaign of, hey, you know what? We've all got time on our hands and there's some people that aren't going to be getting enough human attention. We're thinking of our old ones, our infirm ones, people that are maybe in retirement homes or just people that aren't going to be able to see their family and friends as much as they'd like to. Uh, Why not write a letter? That's something everyone can do any age. Uh, to just bring a little bit of uh, joy and uh, connection to a person's day who who could maybe use a little bit of encouragement. So she's been putting her money where her mouth is. She's been doing up some letters and sharing what she's been coming up with on Instagram. She's been encouraging people to do the same. And I know a lot of people have come on board. So I would encourage everyone to sort of check out what she's doing. And I mean, you don't, you don't, nobody needs uh, 
you know, orders from headquarters to write a letter to someone. Mm-hmm. So if, if there's anyone that could use a nice letter, know that that's something worth, uh, worth doing and Heidi approves. We're not telling anyone what to do, but you're a bad person. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. You're horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, awesome. I think we've, we've covered that. Keep it coming. And now let's move on into cut it or keep it quarantine edition. Mm-hmm. So we've got a few cut for time sketches from 2020. Uh, and our first two are both from the RuPaul episode. So the first one we're going to talk about here and get into is the coal miners face off Two alpha coal miners have an untraditional showdown. Uh, Steve, what were your thoughts on this one? I thought this was an okay sketch. I don't feel like it would have made the overall episode elevated to any extent, although it would not drag it down either. And I kind of thought, okay, we're seeing a lot of shade thrown in, you know, the reading sketch in the library. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that energy we're already seeing in the show, but there was just some great moments. There was a really good use of space and camera. One of my favorite moments is when they cut away to the guys and they come back and they're sat down drinking tea. And (laughs) just Mm -hmm. that contrast, it made me laugh out loud where I didn't expect to. I felt that this was kind of a a reimagining of a sketch we saw about RuPaul's Drag Race. All the guys at the, I think it was like an an auto garage. It was, yeah. The Bobby Moynihan dance-off. Yeah, a bunch of mechanics were. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very masculine, very, very much like coal mining. It's a a stereotypically uh, man's man's kind of job. Mm -hmm. Instead of having RuPaul as the subject, now he is (laughs) a player in the in the sketch. So it was a good time to bring back something of that energy. But yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a lot of fun. Awesome, Uh, John. Would you cut or keep this one? I would cut this one. And not because I hated it. It did have some fun moments, but Steve already kind of dug deep on that. So I don't need to go down that road. Uh, he's right. You know, Bowen had some, some fun moments and overall the back and forth contrast between the, the macho guys and the reality of how this showdown is playing out. That's amusing. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was kind of muddy and needed a rewrite. I didn't quite understand the world Mm because you've got the peanut gallery who are macho but are they macho because they genuinely believe these other guys are intimidating like manly men too like are they delusional or are they trying to not admit that their bosses aren't like them like their bosses are more you know flamboyant so i was having trouble with that and then you know beck is the owner of the 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 fluffy scarf (laughs) or whatever so i mean it got even muddier at that point like where are these guys coming from so i was having a little bit of trouble with that and then, you know, a couple of technical snafus and a couple mm-hmm. of missed cues. But for the most part, it was just trying to understand the world and why these characters exist and, you know, why this is all happening that I didn't quite connect with. So it could only work as amusing back and forth. It, it couldn't work like as a really, really clever setup or, right. you know, premise for a sketch. So that's where it kind of fell down for me. And like Steve said, because we already had the reading sketch that did the drag culture smack talk so much better, right. I, I felt like. You know, if you're going to cut one or keep one, I the one that was showed up in the show, I think was the right call. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you, John. I would cut this one. I I didn't love it. It didn't work for me. It just, I see what they were trying to do with it with opposite ends of the spectrum, but it just, it never hit its stride. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. All right. Well, we'll move right along into our next cut for time. This one's a pre-tape. Baby doctor. A baby is switched at birth with a 47-year-old orthopedic surgeon in this shocking new drama. <laughs> Steve, did you like baby doctor? <laughs> did I like it? Um, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> I think that's how most people felt watching it. 
I think we're supposed to be uncomfortable and mm-hmm. not totally on board with this premise. It's yeah. uh, it's a head shaker. <laughs> Babies holding scalpels is always a problem visually. <laughs> yes. Right. I disagree. So there's definitely a lot you have to ignore to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Basically, every character involved is absolutely brain dead mm-hmm. for this premise to even you know have any weight at all. No one can really notice the obvious, right. uh, or this all just falls apart. Right? They got that right, but yeah, visually it was it was just so bizarre and so uncomfortable that you know I did find myself leaning into a nervous laughter. So I was mm-hmm. laughing. You know, I think RuPaul who is particularly lanky mm-hmm. is, you know, one of the better uses of an adult body in place of a baby. Yes. And Heidi was really great in this as well. Kind of falling for the baby, you know, what that implies aside from that, you know, we don't have to get into that, <laughs> but yeah, it did take a strange dark turn with, with the stabbing at the end, but those little first person point of view, baby hands, they were mm-hmm. just really well done. I had first thought that they were some kind of prop, but then there were some very subtle wiggles of the fingers. I think maybe there was some CGI involved or just a really okay. good, really good puppetry. Mm-hmm. But there were some production qualities that were there that something like this maybe didn't even deserve. But I'm glad they went to that extent. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed this one. I think it was a delightfully goofy idea, you know, to put RuPaul as a grown man, but pretend he's a baby. I think that was a fun visual gag. And I think that's where the sketch was the best. They lost me when they were doing the baby stuff uh, with the actual baby in the OR. Mm. But I think this had some, some good one liners in there. Like when Beck said, he has your father's penis that really cracked me up. (laughs) What that weird stuff. I was, I could sort of see going somewhere more so than the way they went with it, going back and forth between the two. So it it worked and it didn't work for me. Overall, I think it could have been in the show because there were some there was some stuff in there that I didn't love, but I, I see why it got cut and I'm fine with it. It, it was fine. It was good. I, I laughed some. John? I'm going to sound a bit like a broken record, but I, I was struggling to understand the world mm-hmm. of this sketch as well. The problems for me kind of started with RuPaul as the baby. Great. Okay. So there, there's some sort of bizarre switcheroo. We don't have to think too much about it. Okay. I, I'm, I'm on board. I'm okay with it. Right. But when RuPaul starts talking like a man and saying, look, I'm, I'm a man. Like, what, what are you doing here? Like, why am I even here? At that point, it kind of breaks the world because you think the next obvious step is he's, he gets up and walks away. Right. It's, it's like there's, he's not invested in the, the bizarre nature of this world. So kind of, how can we be, yeah. um, if it was like, he was a stressed out doctor and he's enjoying the sabbatical, like he's enjoying being weighed on. So he's keeping up the ruse and mm-hmm. not letting, not letting these delusional parents know, like if there was something they could have winked at to inform us of why he's on board with staying in this baby situation. Mm-hmm. then great. You know, if, if he's getting off on the idea of having these two dumbass parents change his diaper while he pees on him, I can get on board with that. That's, yeah. that's weird and goofy, but, but they kind of broke the world. And, mm-hmm. and so from then on, I'm like, okay, well, how am I supposed to take this? Then we get to baby mode, which had all the, the procedural music and everything's like swelling and it's, it's high stakes and it's intense. And I really like the the production quality of, of that side of it. But again, what is this world? At first it's a baby and you're like in the same way that the other guy's a grown ass man and it doesn't make sense that these parents don't see him for what he is. It doesn't make sense that these guys don't see the baby for what he is, but then they don't 
take that premise and see it through to its conclusion. They twist it to where the baby has the wits of a grown, a murderous grown right. up, you know? So again, they, they keep breaking the world as we go through it. And, and so I, I understand this is a trashy television show that's supposed to make no sense. Like that's kind of how they cap it. Like mm-hmm. we know this sucks, but I kind of feel like that's a, a cheap out right. when maybe these really fun gags that you have needed to be structured a little bit better to make sense. So fun moments, but overall, no, I, I just left this kind of scratch in my head going, we had so many nice pieces, but it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep going into <laughs> our uh, John Mulaney cut for time sketches. The first one is a pre-tape. Love is blind. Love is blind is back, but this time they're isolated in pods for a different reason. Steve, uh, have you watched Love is Blind? And what did you think of this sketch? I am aware of the premise. I was listening to reviews on the radio about Love is Blind, but okay. I think that may be the reason I didn't watch it because <laughs> I don't think I was uh, game for that premise. It's a train wreck of a show. Oh, yeah, it does sound like it, but I can see the appeal and why people would want to watch it. Nobody likes to look away from a train wreck. Right. Now, having watched this closer to now than when it was meant to air during the John Mulaney episode, it almost doesn't work quite as well because at the time, I don't think as many of us were living this isolated life Mm -hmm. that almost all of us are now, uh, at least those who are able to, before they even got to that reveal, I was already thinking it, you know, I was like, Oh, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing now. (laughs) Being isolated. And then, you know, that's where they went. So I'm assuming this hits all the cinematic beats. You know, maybe there's some characters here that are based on some people featured in love is blind. I wasn't able to, speak to that since I haven't watched the show, but I did get, you know, a modern reality vibe from this. So I think mm-hmm. they, they hit the notes properly. I mean, it was not great. I think it was probably best cut and I preferred what I've seen in the John Laney show over this particular sketch. Wasn't a, exactly a win for me. I did watch love is blind. So I do have some more <laughs> opinions on that specific stuff. They definitely nailed the production of it. And what the pods looked like and some of those overhead shots and everything. Chloe was doing a specific character from the show, uh, Giannina, who is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think her name is like Giannina Milady something. Yeah. Um, Sounds like someone who would agree to this. (laughs) Right. So what was interesting to me about this is that Love is Blind is such a disaster show and they hit on that at the beginning of the sketch they said we make movies too good for the cinema and now reality show too degrading for cable i wish it had just been a love is blind sketch because the corona stuff is obviously i understand it was topical and it was a fun way to play with the pods but there's so much (laughs) they could do on just love is blind because chloe actually even posted on her instagram more of just a straight giannina impression it was so funny. I mean, this girl's crazy in the middle of a, like not even a fight at one point. She just like told her fiance he was bad at sex, like for no reason. Like there's so much they could have done. And I would have loved for it to just be a straight love is blind parody. They had the production beats. They have the people that can do these impressions. I loved that. And as a fan of the show, I think that would have been great. And I know a lot of the cast members are fans of the show and I, I wish it had been that. I think the Corona stuff was fun and I definitely see why it was there and it provides a nice topical thing. But it never hit its stride for me because I just wanted it to be Love is Blind. Hmm. Yeah. So, John, would you cut it or keep it? I think I would just barely keep it. Okay. I thought this was good. I don't think it was great. Mm-hmm. But 
first off, I mean, now it feels prophetic in hindsight. So watching it now, I, I had watched this one like right after the episode when they post it. So I'd, I'd seen this one before, but it, it wasn't all that memorable at the time. It was like, yeah, okay. Typical cut for time sketch, but watching it now, this might be the only thing SNL is able to say about the state of the world until the fall or possibly even later. We don't know. Yeah. This might be our only SNL commentary on the situation. So I at least like that we got something, yeah. you know, about the topic that is dominating all media and is on everyone's mind. So it felt a lot more fun to watch it now with our current context. So yeah. this is something that aged surprisingly well. <laughs> uh, I'll give it that. And as far as what you guys have already hit on, the the look of the reality show and pulling in all of that interstitial footage of the pods from above so that they've really like set the scene and set the tone, it felt very authentic that way. So it, it had that working for it. I liked the characters that they drew. I haven't seen the show, so I didn't have any baggage or any wants of where this was going to go. So I could just take it for what it was. And what it was, was passable. I thought all the jokes that they baked into it landed just fine. It didn't have a, a stunning climax. It didn't really know where it wanted to go. It, there, there wasn't like another big gear for this mm-hmm. one. So it wasn't a great pre-tape because of that. But what we got, I thought was fun. It was at least of, of these four that we've gotten to so far. This is the first time when I can say, yeah, that's, that's a pass. That's mm-hmm. there's a, there's more work in here than isn't working. Yeah, it was fun. I sent it to a few friends because of the fun topical stuff in it. So it's definitely winning more than the last two we talked about for me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh moving on into our our next one and our last one the you go show daniel rash maybe isn't the best host of the supposedly encouraging talk show steve cut or keep the you go show i would have kept this one yeah if for no other reason that it made me slightly better about myself <laughs> <laughs> i've always had this little nagging voice in my head that i would you know ignore and that's probably the best thing to do but, you know, you, you watch a lot of these shows that, you know, this sketch is making fun of. And there's always that little bit of pessimism in me that kind of reads between these lines. And I guess I'm just not the type of person who should be hosting a show like this, just like Daniel Rash. Because <laughs> I'm always thinking about, you know, oh, well, maybe this doesn't hold up logically in the real world. It's great television and it makes you feel good about yourself to cheer these people on. But, yeah, maybe... uh their life choices aren't the greatest for the long run. Right. And aside from that, I just love the way it played out, especially the end where they had the minute left and, you know, they went on a little too long to bring out the third guest and the fact that they just sat there. I think this is something that only Milady could do as well as it was done because the timing there and just the subtlety of it was done so well. This was really a sketch about reactions and just playing with a, a daytime format that we're all very much familiar with, just making some, some great cringe comedy. Yeah, this made me wish that uh, John Mulaney actually hosted a talk show. Because I think <laughs> I think it'd be great with his very serious, flat, sarcastic nature about him. I thought this was funny. I enjoyed it, um, especially just the twist on like, well, but do you think you don't notice the ears because our ears are normal? Like I thought that was a really smart thing that I've definitely wanted to say to some people before. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> kind of like what you were hitting on Steve, you know, I, it definitely spoke to a real feeling. I just, I wish it would never got quite as quippy as I wanted it to be. And I felt like the pacing was a little weird. And ultimately I was left sort of thinking sort of the why today question. 
what about the show yesterday? Why is Daniel bad at it today, but he's had this show mm. for a while now? <laughs> Why is he suddenly bad at it? Is he having a bad day or is it always a weird show? And so I was a little confused with the, with the world, I guess, kind of like John's <laughs> been talking about, you know, what's happening here? But it had some good beats. It had some laughs. It was good enough. I would have kept it in the show. Uh, John? Yeah, I would keep this. This, again, is good, not great. I think this last block of cut for time sketches that we've had so far in 2020, we haven't had any real stunners, but of the four, I think this is the one that I got the most genuine laughs out of it. And it, it it's because of uh, this really having uh, a voice to it that I think suits Mulaney. I'm not sure if he actually wrote it, but it, it felt very Mulaneyan. So right out of the gate, it had a lot working for it because he felt very comfortable in this position of being sort of deceptively condescending like he isn't overtly insulting them but he's drawing them out intentionally to cast a light on why he thinks they're stupid and it's kind of a hard line to walk of not having the audience turn on your character for being too snide and too much right. of a jerk but still be able to create this much uncomfort and I, I think that that was the piece of this that i found really really satisfying and amusing did it have some pacing issues? Yeah. And was it a little slow and it didn't really end up going anywhere. And so this wasn't one for the books, but that one nugget, that little dynamic of him just cutting right through to the soul of these people and mm -hmm. finding, you know, finding their worst insecurity and finding a, a, a very a roundabout way of putting that front and center in front of them and watching them squirm. Yeah. Never outright saying it. But saying exactly. just enough to let them know that he's yeah. thinking it. It was brilliant. Yeah, that piece of it was really working. So this, I think, is a keeper. If we had any keepers tonight, I think the Mulaney stuff was the stronger uh, material. I agree. Awesome. So our, our wrap-up question tonight, which cut-for-time sketch was the best of the rest? And we'll start with you, Steve. Of these four, which was your favorite? I think Hugo was my favorite, just because it was so silly. It didn't really extend itself too far it was a short punt i think they landed it <laughs> you know john mulaney can just chew glass and i'll find that funny <laughs> so yep. for all that was working for it i think this was just a fun little silly sketch that made good use of timing costume and uh animal wrangling we always love that on the show so yes, definitely <laughs> there was a little bit of everything to have some fun with this all right uh john which was your best of the rest I, I think Hugo show just barely edged out love is blind. Love is blind is novel because of the times we're living in. Right. And neither one of these got to any great heights, but I do think that I was finding Hugo show just a little bit more clever. And I think that's just, you know, Mulaney being put to good use, got this one over the line. So yeah, I'll go with Hugo show as well. My thoughts echo yours. Exactly. John, I was torn between those two. Love is blind as a special place for me. But ultimately, I do think Hugo, it had some more laughs to it, and it has a little bit better rewatch value, I think, actually. So, yeah, I'm going to make it unanimous and say Hugo was the best of the rest. Woo! Woo! All right. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks to Steve Finn and John Murray, and thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, Aaron Entrader, Donald Yates, Zachary Phillip, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back soon to cover some more fun SNL-related topics as voted on by our listeners. 
If you'd like to suggest a topic, contact us at snlpodcast.com or find us on social media at SNL Podcast. This has been episode number 106 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.